0: So do you feel it? Feel the change? It's a great, great time of worship. And so now, it's time to get into God's word. And it's not about me, or you, or anybody else, but about that cornerstone. It's about time to focus in on what God has to say to each one of us. We're going to be working out of Luke 4, if you want to go ahead and turn there. And what I want to do to start with is just kind of give us um, an overview of the series that we started last week. Uh, Mark kind of set the foundation for us, laid the framework for us. I want to run kind of through that a little bit just to catch people up that maybe weren't here last week uh, and then kind of get us back on the same page uh, as we get ready to move forward. We'll, We'll be in this series for the next few weeks. This series, as we start into the book of Luke, is about two people. The two people that we're going to be talking a lot about is Luke, the writer of the book, and Theopolis. And this book is all written to Theopolis. And so what Mark did last week to kind of set us up and get us going is kind of to tell us a little bit about these two people and who they are. And there are some things that are alike about these two people. Um, They're both Gentiles, so we're not talking about Jews here. We're talking about Gentiles. They both love God. They're, they're, they're both men who know who God is uh, as they kind of begin this journey together um, and, and Luke talking about him. Theopolis is someone of either a royalty or in a high office or something like that because we know that because Luke starts off by saying most excellent Theopolis. So we're talking about somebody who's kind of in power, somebody who is um, kind of up there as far as um, being known. We also know that Luke writes another book to Theopolis, and that's the book of Acts. If you go to Acts, it starts off almost the same way in talking to Theopolis about um, Jesus. And so you have these two people that um, they're writing to, and, and what it is is the, the other piece that we know, need to know about Luke is Luke is a doctor. And we know that with this, as any doctors, Mark talked about last week, you want, you want somebody that's very detailed if he's going to be your doctor. And so Luke is a very detailed person. And as Luke is writing to Theopolis and he's talking about Christ and helping um, Theopolis know who Christ is, he is very detailed in what he's talking about. And he starts, and he is the only book where he goes through Christ's life chronologically. He starts at the beginning, and everything is step by step, which hopefully you would have in a doctor, right? You don't want them to miss any steps uh, if they're they're operating on you or working on you. And so this is all about the series that we're going to be working with, and the series that we're going to be talking about is all about helping Theopolis understand and know Christ and why Christ is all we need. And so we're going to start diving that in today. Uh, I want to start us off with a, a prayer, and we're going to have a quick video, and then we're going to jump into Luke 4, 1, Let's pray real quick. Heavenly Father, thank you for our worship, God. Thank you for helping us to prepare our hearts to hear your word. And now over the next few minutes, Lord, just help it to be all about you, about nothing but you, and about your son, and help us all to walk out of here today, Lord, um, knowing what you want us to know. And We know that it may be different in every person but that it is all about you and knowing what you want us to know for today. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. If you know anything about Luke 4, one thirteen, where we're going to be, it's all about temptation. And what we know from the very beginning of life is we're all tempted, right? We all see that line, and we all want to go across that line and know what's, what's going to happen if we go past that line. So go with me to Luke 4, one thirteen, and let's see what we're going to be talking about today. It says this, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was very hungry. The devil said this to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to the high place and showed him in an instant all of the kingdoms of the world. And he said to them, I will give you all the authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want. If you worship me, it will be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. The devil led him to Jerusalem, and he had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. And they will, lift up, they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had finished all the tempting, he left until another opportune time. We had a dog called Gigi, Princess of Hebron. And she lived with us for about 13 years. And she was absolutely the princess of our house. She was in total control. Gigi's biggest temptation like most animals was food and if you were sitting downstairs and you were eating a sandwich or something and you ran upstairs to get to refill your drink or to get something if you put it where she could get it like most dogs you it was gone when you came back down the interesting thing about this dog was is once that happened you could not find the dog and so you would have to go underneath the piano bench or a desk where there was a chair or somewhere, and you would find this little seven-pound dog that had just made its stomach very big doing this, knowing that it had done something wrong, shaken to death, yet she couldn't stop. The other thing that she loved even more was chocolate. This dog could go into Jenna or Carol's purse, unzip the purse, find the chocolate, unwrap the chocolate and eat the chocolate and again you could find the trail of paper wrappers to where she was that you could look at her and see that she had she knew that she had done something wrong temptation is with all of us right it's everybody that uh, lives we have this temptation we have to deal with it and I love um, that God helps us to set up and understand that from the very beginning of Jesus' story, and that's right where Luke starts. After he gives the chronological the basis of it, he jumps right into that. And as we jump into these um, verses today, there's some things I want you to really think about that are in these verses as we talk about it. The first thing is a very key thing, and you can find it in Luke 3:21 through3 through23, and that was that Jesus was baptized and empowered by the Holy Spirit. If you remember, right before he goes into the wilderness, he's baptized by John the Baptist. And God says that a dove comes ascendance on Jesus, or the Holy Spirit comes upon Jesus in the form of a dove. And so he is is empowered by that Holy Spirit. Notice, though, that he is led into the wilderness by that Holy Spirit. Think about that for a second. So my question with that, if if he is going into the wilderness and the Holy Spirit is leading him, does God tempt us? Is God taking Jesus into the wilderness for God to tempt him? Remember in this verse, as we read, he was tempted for 40 days. It does not say at the end of the 40 days he he was tempted. He was tempted for 40 days. We're all tempted every second of every day. You've walked into this building and some kind of temptation has probably crossed your mind. Maybe at a person that you looked at and thought the wrong way about. Maybe about a looking at a person that you don't like very much and had thoughts about. Every day you go to work, every person you see, every, all the time Satan is pelting us with temptations, with thinking things or looking at things or wanting things that we know That we shouldn't have. And for 40 days without any food. That's what happened to Christ. And I was trying to think and picture what that would look like. That what would you tempt Jesus with? What would be the kinds of things that you would throw at Jesus. To tempt him to see if you could get him ready. To in that big ending of when he presents those top three things that he would give in. I'm thinking he would probably maybe give him pictures of Judas. Remember this guy, Peter, letting him down over and over again, putting him, letting him see what he's going to look like on the cross, putting that nice spread he hadn't eaten, putting that nice spread in front of him and letting him see all that food and not being able to reach or touch it. But you know it was all very calculated and very pointed to bring it up to a point. And doesn't, isn't that what Satan does to us? Sometimes it may be something really quick what we, that we impulsively give into, but a lot of times it's set up, right? You don't walk right into that temptation and do it right off the bat. It goes over time. And it's subtle little things that build you and pulls you to that. Notice in here that in, in dealing with this, that both Satan and Jesus, and Jesus used the scripture. So it's not just Jesus quoting that scripture. Satan is using God's word to bring in that temptation. We know that we have an enemy that's going to take every chance he gets and he will use anything for that to happen. And the final question, as you think about it, the Holy Spirit leading Jesus into the wilderness to be, to be tempted, can Jesus really be tempted? Can Jesus really give in To temptation Because who is Jesus Jesus is God right Jesus is fully man Right So the question is Is can he really be tempted So I want you to think about that As well So I want to go to the first question that I kind of had in there As we talked about it And the Holy Spirit leading um, Jesus into the wilderness And the question of Does God tempt us Think about it for a second. Does God tempt us to sin? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand on it, but I want you to kind of answer that in your brain. Do you think that maybe God tempts us to set us up to help us to grow and to, to grow closer to him, or does he not tempt us? The answer is, is very simple, and it's found in James 1.13. And the answer is no. If you read James 1.13, it's very clear. It says, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted, of, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. God is all good. There is no evil in him. There is no part of God that is bad. There's nothing about God that is evil. There is nothing about God that would tempt us to do evil does not mean that he does not use that temptation when it happens and does not mean that he doesn't allow that sometimes for Satan to attempt to then be using it for his purpose very evident in job what did satan do he came to he came to god and he said yeah job's a great guy but he's got everything let me take some of that away and i bet you he'll turn to a whole different person and he'll give in and to a point, God allowed him to do that. He did not tempt Job to be able to put those temptations in place, and then God used it for his glory. So the first question is, no, God does not tempt us. So the second question goes, as we know, Jesus is fully man and fully God, right? How do we know that? If you go into God's word, and I've listed a bunch of different scriptures here that we, won't, we don't have time to go into, but I want to just kind of look at of this dual nature that Christ has. He's fully God. If you look in Matthew, there's, there's a bunch of verses that talks about that Jesus is worshipped. He is prayed to. He was called God. He was called Son of God. He was sinless. He knew all things. He gives eternal life. The fullness deity of him dwells in him. All of those scriptures point to 100% telling us that Jesus was fully God. And yet, he was fully man. He worshipped the Father. He prayed to the Father. He was called man. He was called son of man. He was tempted. He grew in wisdom. He died. Right? Like everybody else. Like every other man, he died. And he had a body of flesh and bones. So this God who is fully man and fully God is going into the wilderness, empowered by the Holy Spirit to be tempted by Satan to see if he'll give in to temptation. So my question, and I am going to ask you to raise your hand on this one. We're going to let you participate a little bit. Here's my question. Your one test question for today. Could Jesus really give in to the temptation that the Satan had presented to him? I'll say it again. Could Jesus really have given in to the temptation that Satan put in front of him? How many say yes? How many say no? Okay, More yeses than noes, and some are not about to vote because they don't want to be wrong. The answer is no and yes. And David Platt, who I got uh, a lot of this information from, puts it this way, to try to best help us to understand this, um, of this nature of, of God who is fully man and fully God. And he says, you can, you can kind of picture it this way. Think of the person that you absolutely love the most. That person that is the most important person in the world to you. And then thinking about murdering that person. Could you do it? No. No way. So God, who is fully God, there is no way that he could give in to temptation. But that man part of Christ, yes, absolutely, he could have given in to that temptation. And why is that so important? Because it is us, and it's what we're dealing with every single day. And so when we go out into the world, and what Luke is explaining to Theopolis is this, is that what you're experiencing every day, Christ has already experienced it. He's lived it, and I guarantee you in those 40 days, if you can imagine Jesus by himself, him and Satan, and the man side of him not having any food, not having any drink, not having anything. Do you think Satan let him sleep? Probably not. Firing everything and anything that he could, every single day for 40 days, tempting him every way possible. Isn't that us? Isn't that really what we deal with every day? Because what we have to realize and we have to remember is it's not just about us in this world. We have this world of demons and angels and this war going on all around us that we don't see all the time. And what Satan is trying to do is destroy every one of us. But not just to destroy you individually, but to destroy Christ and his reputation. Easiest example in the world of this, Ashley Madison. Right? Right? People gave in to that temptation. I read of at least two pastors that committed suicide because their names were going to come out of that. And they couldn't deal with how that would look, A, to them, but what does it do to Christ's church? And so Christ is all about the church and being able to tempt us into things, not only to destroy you, which he absolutely 100% wants to do, he wants to destroy the church. And if you stand up and say, I'm a Christian, if you stand up and say that I'm different, if you stand up against the things that the world today says they're okay and those kind of things, and then you go out and do that, it's all over everywhere. We got a family of 19, 20, 21 people that know that really well. He's out to destroy that piece of everything. And so, So God knows that that is with every one of us. And so Christ is going in before us. Before he ever does anything in his ministry, that's what he puts Jesus through. He puts him to the test from the beginning. He doesn't let him build up. He doesn't let him do part of his ministry, have success, feel like life is going good and everything's great. He does it right from the beginning. Puts him to the test from the start. And he doesn't fail. And he takes everything that Satan throws at him, and he's successful. Jesus is tempted just like every one of us, just like all of the people in the Bible. You think about all of these people, Abraham, Adam, Jacob, David, Peter, Paul, John the Baptist. Anybody you can think of in the Bible that you look up and you have reverence and say, truly, as David was a man of God's own heart, every one of them failed. Every one of them, but one, and that was Christ. And so, Paul is, or Luke is telling Theopolis, this is the guy you can count on. You can look out around everybody that you see, no matter how great they look, no matter if they're the Roman leader, no matter what they're doing, you can't count on any of them for, for everything, but Christ, you can. The piece of it, that we look at and we say, okay, well, you just said Jesus is fully God and fully man. So he's got a, he's got a part that we don't have, right? I don't think anybody in here is, uh, for us is split down the middle. I don't think we have any gods in here. If you do, let us know. <clears throat> so doesn't Jesus kind of have an unfair advantage? Doesn't he have something that we don't have? The answer is no. Because if you go back to before he went into the wilderness... What happened? God empowered him with the Holy Spirit. And if you are a believer in Christ Jesus, you have that same power. You got the same big guns to go and fight that Christ has. Because he empowers it within us, and it's not us doing it, and it has nothing to do with us, but inside of us is that same Holy Spirit that walked him into the wilderness and was there with him. And he will never go away. He never leaves us. Look at Romans, and we'll put it up on the board, but if you look at Romans 8, 9, it says this. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. So if you belong to Christ, you have the Spirit of the Holy Spirit in you. Go to the next one. John fourteen sixteen says this, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you for when? Forever. Forever and always, that Holy Spirit is with us to fight those temptations, to fight those battles. So that you have that temptation that you're looking at, and you have that thing that you can't overcome, and you have that thing that's been going on forever, that you say that you can never get rid of, you're wrong. Doesn't mean it's easy. Doesn't mean that you have to, can't have to put things in place and you have to arm yourself. But no matter what you're fighting with today, no matter what that temptation is or those many temptations is that are coming at you, you have something more of than you fighting that battle that has already conquered it and can already, has already won it if you'll allow it to. Our problem is what? We stop counting on the Holy Spirit and we try to do it ourselves. And when we push the Holy Spirit out, that's when we fail. And that's when it all comes crashing down. And so we're all empowered with this. And Luke is making this clear to Theopolis as they're going along. So last part of this is I, want, I found this really interesting. And, and again, David Platt broke this down. Um, but I thought it was just, it just shows us again that we are not in this battle alone. And we know that somebody has experienced all of this before us. If you you go back to Luke and you look at the three ways at the end that that Satan tempted Jesus, we're going to break them down real quick and we're going to talk about them for just a second. The first one, Jesus hadn't eaten for 40 days, right? He was hungry. That's self-gratification. We all have it, right? Whether it's food, whether it's water, whether it's Sexual, whether it's buying things, all of those things, we all want to self-gratify ourselves, right? And that's basically what he is tempting Christ with at that point is, is you need something right now. You know, this is a long life. You need it now. If God really loved you, do you think he'd put you out here in the wilderness and make you hungry for 40 days and then have to fight with me? That's not a God who loves you. Let's take care of it now. I can help you out right now. Let's turn this bread, turn these stones to bread, or turn these stones to bread, and you can eat. You're going to be able to fight a whole lot better if you're hungry. And doesn't he do that to us? That right when we're down at the worst, or we're seeing people who have things that we don't have, or we're wanting things, or we look at our spouse and you can't give me this, and you're not giving me this, and I need it now, so I'm going to go find it somewhere else. Self gratification. First thing that we all fight with because it is all about me, right? Christ deals with it and he conquers it. So Satan moves on. And the second one is self exaltation, building myself up. Satan looks at him and he says something like this I'm guessing, don't know for sure. Is look, everything in the world is given to you in the end, you win. But look what you got to go through to get that. you got all these people that for, for all of humankind are going to turn their backs on you. You're going to give them everything they need, and they're still going to turn their backs on. Matter of fact, your own people, your disciples are going to turn their back on you time and time again. I think that's when he throws that picture of Judas up big time. This guy, he sold you out for 30 coins. That's how much he liked you. All of these people who say they're going to love you, they're going to crucify you. These people that you say are your people, they're going to put you on a cross and watch you die. You want to go through all of that to be the king of kings and the lord of lords and have your kingdom and do all that? I can give it to you right now. You don't have to wait. Everybody will worship you right now man, that's enticing. And you look at your house, you look at the things that you have and you want more and you deserve more and why do I have to go through all of these things to get what I need and all of those kind of things and Satan just starts pumping it in. And this person over here is getting this promotion and this person over here is getting that. I was watching game day. Anybody watch game day yesterday morning, yesterday morning, college football? They were at Clemson. Kyle, you and I, buddy. They're at Clemson, and it's pouring down rain, okay, college students, no offense to you guys that are in here, and so this one guy takes off his shirt, there's this huge mud puddle, and with the camera rolling, it's about 55 degrees, face plant, right in the mud. He's covered from head to toe in mud, cheering, everybody's cheering him, he's got his 15 minutes of faith. There's another guy on this other guy's shoulder, and I don't even know what he was doing. I don't know what he was drinking before he was doing it. But it was was just scary. All about me. Self-gratification. Give it to me. Exaltation. Make it all about me. Satan said, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world every time right now. It's been given to me to give to you. And the last one was self-protection. We all want to be safe, right? We want our kids to be safe, right? We don't want to put ourselves out in a situation that could be dangerous. I can see this more than, more than anything else. If this was me, okay, this is the sinful side of me, if I was going to get Jesus to change, if I was going to get him to go towards me, I would take a couple of moments in life and I would put it in slow motion for him. The first thing is I would take that hand and I would stretch it out on that cross and I would do slow-mo of that nail going through his hand. And I would take that nail showing him and putting it on his foot and I would, it would be slow motion of watching it go through his skin. I'd put him up on that cross and I'd take that spear that, that they stuck in the side of him and it would be slow motion and it would be over and over and over And over and over again, I would show his mom sitting there watching. What's going to happen to her, Jesus? Who's going to take care of her? I'd pound him with it. And if I'm that evil thinking, you can imagine what Satan's doing self protection. We are so scared. To step out and be who we need to be for Christ because we've got to be protected, right? Do we truly trust Christ to protect us? And the answer is yes, because He did it first. He went through anything and everything that each one of us could ever imagine. Think about, there is nothing in your life, there is nothing in my life that could be so terrible or so awful that Christ hasn't experienced it. And that's why he started off, that's why Luke, in detail from start to beginning, showed Theopolis, this is the Jesus that you need to love. This is the Jesus that I'm getting ready to tell you about in Luke That you're going to learn all about. I want you to know who he truly is from the start. That's the Jesus you need to worship. That's the Jesus I need to worship. Because he's done it all. Fully man. Empowered with the same thing that we can have. The Holy Spirit. To get us through it. So application. Wrapping it up. Christ went through that for 40 days. Done. Right? He's over. He got through his temptation, he moves on. No. If you look what it says in 13, Satan moved on until the next opportunity. Same for all of us. So it wasn't over for Christ at that point. He's still living it. Every day that he was alive and as a man, Satan was continued to pounding it, just like he does with us. My question is, As we get ready to go deep into the series of Luke and getting to really know Christ. And one of the things I love the most about Mark Jones is he does not mix. You you may get kind of bored at Living Church because all he's going to talk about is Jesus. That's our focus. But when you look at the Jesus that's in the Bible and you really read who he was, I want to learn a whole lot more about him. I want to know a whole lot more about him. I want the Holy Spirit to empower me to live as Christ is calling me to live so that not only do I know more about him, people that I love and maybe don't even know know more about the same Christ because what happens is last story I'm going to leave you with, and I want you to think about this in the dying world and David Platt gave this and if you uh if you're a vegetarian or don't um don't like Animals getting hurt, hang with me here. You can kind of close your eyes or hold your ears a second. But all of these people out in the world that are living that don't know Christ, they're kind of like this. And we don't want them to end up this way. If you can picture back in the early 1900s when they would slaughter the cows to make the meat, they had a big problem. The big problem was is the cows figured out if I go in there, Something good's not going to happen. And so they wouldn't go in there because it was out of their routine, right? So forget that. And so one guy figured out this. He said, let's set it up to where they don't know where they're going, that it looks like it's just their normal routine. And so going into the facility and and setting it up, and I don't know exactly how they did it, they they had the grass, everything that it looked just like normal, that it was just their normal routine day to day and so the cows would line up and they would start going through here but what the cows didn't realize was they were on a conveyor belt and very very slowly their feet were going to where the conveyor belt was moving and not them and without realizing it they brought down the the belts to lock underneath of them and without them even knowing it before long they were not the ones even walking It was being moved by the conveyor belt. And before they knew it, out of nowhere, a blunt instrument hit them right here, and it was done. Doesn't that sound a whole lot like our world? People go in every day, day to day, living life on this conveyor belt to hell, and they don't even know it. So our challenge, my challenge to you, my challenge to me is to not only do I live for this Christ who has lived everything that I have lived and understand and has conquered it all and that I live it so that my family knows that and I know that but it's also for these millions of people who don't even understand. And so my challenge to you, as my guess is, is the challenge from Luke to Theopolis is this Christ that you know, this Christ that you're going to get to know is very important because there's this whole war going on that we don't even know about that people need to come to know Christ because if they don't, wow, and it's over. So I'm really looking forward to this series as Mark jumps into it. And Mark really talks to us about Jesus. And I want to challenge you with this gospel to not say, okay, well, we're just in the gospel talking about Jesus. Look who we're really talking about. And my prayer for me and for you is when we're done with this series, we know this Jesus a whole lot more. And we are much more ready for him to empower us to be everything that Christ calls us to be so that not only can we save ourselves. we can save a dying dying world let's pray Heavenly Father thank you thank you for who you are thank you for your son Jesus thank you for your son Jesus who has endured everything that we could ever imagine and conquered it and did it because he loves us and he doesn't want us to go through life and then just all of a sudden it be gone Lord, help each one of us to grow in you. And as we go into this series, as Mark leads us over the next few weeks, that we will truly go deeper into understanding who you are and how wonderful you are and how we need to spread your word and who you are to a dying world. God, may you be glorified and honored in everything that we do this week. And may we truly go and know you, live you, and tell people about you. In your great name I pray, amen.